I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jimbo Paris Show. So, for this episode, we're going to be bringing on Coach Al, and he's basically an elite level professional coach that trains athletes through sports psychology to optimize their headspace and sort of allow them to perform at their best. Hello. It's good seeing you. Good to see you. All right. So let's begin here. We have a lot of questions. So first thing is, can you sort of give me a brief summary about yourself and sort of your story? Because I found it was very in-depth. And I found, you know, your talks on self-hypnosis really interesting. Well, like um, I born with ADHD. I born with a lot of problems and bare beast and everybody mock at me, everybody laugh at me, nobody wants to invite me to play with them. It was a little bit hard the, the first years, but I was happy. It, it was uh, just working in what I need to do. I discovered the sport motivated me to to be a healthy person. And then later in my life I found a mentor called Sobek. This mentor teach me how to control the mind and the emotions. This is the most important part, the emotions. When he started to teach me how to control the mind, I started to perform better. I started to don't overthink the things. And I started to, to be happier. And I have another experience. When I, I born, I noticed that my brother has problems to communicate with the others. He was autistic. He has a lot of problems. He speaks like a four or five words only. And I started to teach him how to go out and play games and do things. And I started to feel a little bit um, uh, sad for him. But later on in my life, I started to study psychology. I started to study for, for sports. I was in Russia uh, trying to improve my, my skills as a coach. And when... I have my first child. I noticed that he has autism. And then I started to create a system where the mind, the, the two brains we have, start to connect it with exercises. It's called neurofitnastic. I, I create 300 exercises to play games, not to push them to do it, to play games. And I noticed kids with ADHD, with ADD, and all that kind of problems they start to concentrate in what they do in the, in the moment. This is part of my story. That's very interesting because you mentioned being at the moment. And I think meditation is very focused on staying in the present as well. And you sort of talk about training athletes through bodily movements. So do you think what you do is similar to yoga in a sense? Yes, pretty much yes, because yoga... What you need to do is not just the, the stretching or the movement. You need to put your mind in certain point, in certain frequency. And, and the athletes do the exercises with no putting the mind in somewhere because uh, they discovered that with the treadmill. When they, the athletes start to train in the treadmill, they start to improve. Like a people who want to lose weight, they start to improve. In the moment... They get used to the treadmill. They start to, see, to watch TV. They start to listen to music. And the improvement stops. Why? Because the mind was not concentrated in the effort they are making. They are just concentrating and entertaining themselves. Hmm. And basically, all the conditioning you do doesn't make any effect. If you are not thinking about what you're doing and what represents in your mind what you're doing. And how did self-hypnosis sort of jumpstart a lot of this. So let's let's kind of backtrack here. What is the misconception a lot of people have about hypnosis? And what did you learn about hypnosis that a lot of people should also know too? Well, hypnosis, Hollywood distort the concept about hypnosis because in the movies, a guy starts to control your mind and make you do things you don't want to do. And, and the shows is the same. But hypnosis is, is just one concept. is focus and concentration. 
that's it. Let me explain you first. The mind has four stages or vibration. The number one is the beta. When you are in beta, it's the way you communicate with the others, you perceive the world. And then when you start to concentrate on something, you go to alpha. You start to read a book and you lose consciousness of what's going on, you are in alpha. When you really deep concentrate, you don't have any awareness because you don't pay attention into the into the side world and you are in theta. That's hypnosis. From there, you jump into Delta, who is sleep. And then the, everybody is afraid of hypnosis, but hypnosis is a natural state because you do it every day you go to sleep and every day you wake up. When you wake up, you wake up from Delta, you go to Theta. That's why you don't remember nothing what's going on. You put sometimes salt in the coffee with not even knowing <laughs> because you are in Theta. You are no... 100% aware of what is the surroundings. And then with the Hollywood perception about hypnosis, they exaggerate the things and the people start to get fear about that because they think that the hypnotized will pull ideas they have in their mind with not their knowledge. But try to remember when you are waking up and you're a bit, a bit drowsy, what happened if somebody tell you, yeah, kill that guy, you will kill it. You you will you will do it. Oh, what what? You will start to wake up. And then in hypnosis, the only things you can do is when you have programs to do. We can change the the internal programmation with hypnosis and self hypnosis. <laughs> self hypnosis is when you yourself concentrate on one point and concentrate all your ideas in one point. And hypnosis is when somebody helps you to do that, when you don't know how to experience it. Very good. And I'm interested to know, but what do you think is the easiest way to get a message into the subconscious mind? Because I, I do know there's a few approaches, such as affirmations as well. Do you think affirmations or self-hypnosis would be an easier way to get the message into the subconscious mind? Well, if, if you remember the the traumas people has when when they get the trauma was one second just one second boom go to the subconscious mind and let me tell you a story one guy in a long time ago they was selling encyclopedias and books door to door they don't do that anymore since the internet but he was ringing the bell and the people see what he sell in one house was a gas leaking at the moment he ring the bell boom explode he finished in the hospital, and but in his mind, he knows at the conscious level, if I ring the bell again, nothing will happen because that was one in a million opportunities to happen to that happen. But this guy has a trauma, and then he cannot even ring any bell for the trauma he has. That was um, the, one of the ways to get into subconscious mind with a big impression. It's only three ways, three ways to get into subconscious mind. The one is for repetitions. If you repeat and repeat over and over and over the same, you will have the same effect that one with, with the impression. And the other one is suggestibility. When you start to see something, just imagine that you start to eat avocados. And then you start to eat it and somebody says, all the avocados are poison. The people start to die from avocados. If you believe it, you start to feel sick. It's a suggestibility. And then it's the three only ways to get into the subconscious mind because you have a, a conscious mind and you, you have the critical mind who protects you from the exterior, filter all the information. And how filter with all your beliefs and values, all what you believe, all, what, all the values you have are filtering the information you get from the exterior to the interior. And that's why... Affirmations help, but it's a lot of repetitions. 10,000 repetitions are the same, but helps. All right, very good. And what are some of the key approaches you have to give to certain athletes? So sort of, can you give us one example in particular with a certain type of athlete that you've worked with so far? Well, uh, in I coach gymnastics mostly, 
gymnastics uh, is a sport of fear because you do a lot of flips and then when you face uh, the the probability of an accident, start the fear. The other fears when you go to compete. And then when you compete, you have the fear to fail. Because every time you go to compete or to do some performance, you you have behind you an intention. That intention comes from your personality. What kind of personality you have? I write a book about personality. The personalities you have is two personalities, the red or the blue. The red personality is very dominant, very controlling. They want to be in charge of everything, and they're looking for significance. Then they go to compete with significance, for significance. And then the blue personality is very introvert, very quiet, but they do exactly the same as the others. They have the same success as the others, but the, the only difference, they're looking for the approval. But they process the information different. One speak literal, is a red personality, speak literal, but receive every information inferential. Let me put you an example. If you say to one woman, oh, you are pretty today, and if she's red personality, she will say, oh, that means yesterday I was ugly. It's inferential. They infer of everything they hear, but they tell you the things face to face. The blue personality is the opposite. They never tell you the things directly because they they feel fear to offend you, to make you feel bad. But everything what they understand, they understand it very literal. And that that makes the difference. That's my 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 uh, specialty to know what personality they have, to see what tools I can use to make them perform better. I I have um, several golfers. Uh, who, who has a lot of problems to in the last moment because the subconscious mind don't support the last moment of what they're doing. I have a, one football player who he was tremendous good into the practice. But when he go to the game, nothing happened. He messed up. It's because the intention was the incorrect way. He was in, in NFL, but he was making all mistakes. He, he was on the bench most of the time. When he changed his intention, he had, he changed the performance. And this is the, the way I, I train athletes. They have usually mental blocks, and they don't know why. It's part of the personality of, of themselves. Hmm. And that's definitely very tough because a lot of the downfall of certain athletes has come because of what's going on mentally, because generally they're very talented people physically. And Sort of, I want to kind of get back to how you made your transformation from obesity. How did you sort of make that mental transformation? Were you a red or a blue personality? What was your sort of archetype? When, when I start in my life, I was very blue, hmm. very shy. I cannot talk with the people. Always I was looking down. I, I, I don't I want I to see the people in the face. I was uh, afraid to offend everybody. I was blaming myself for everything that happened. And then when I find my mentor, Sobek, he started to teach me why I was no success. I was not succeeding in what I was doing in track and field. And he says, because you don't have the ego balanced. With the ego need to be balanced. When you are like a deep blue, the ego is destroyed. When you are a high red, your ego is who rules your life. And then the only way to succeed in life, the only way to succeed in everything is when you are balanced. The balance makes the difference. It's not being high, dominant, or, or very quiet and just concentrate like Rambo. When you see Rambo, it's very quiet and this is deep blue. But when he acts, it's a big red. Hmm. That's very interesting. So... You sort of got into personalities now. So what if you have somebody that sort of has more of a laid back disposition and then someone who's a lot more hot headed? Would you would you be more supportive of a gymnast that's very cold and calculated or a gymnast that's very emotional and very amped up all the time? How does that work? In in gymnastics, uh, need to be a connection because we spend too many hours together. Uh, because 
they the elite gymnasts you see in TV, they practice 40 hours a week. Just imagine how many hours they need to spend with the coaches. Need to be a connection, need to be like a part of the family. And when the the kid don't trust you, when the athlete don't trust you, it, it's not a problem. They need to trust you and they need to learn to trust themselves. Because the, the major problem in any athlete is the trust. If they cannot trust themselves, they cannot trust you. If they argue a lot, it's because they have a lot of problems internally. That's why they argue. They cannot be agreed with, with nobody. At home, they act totally different. Sometimes they are worst because uh, they, they have a history with the mom or with dad arguing. And depends what happened at home is how they will behave with you. Then the gymnasts with very deep blue personality, they get connected with me very easy. And the red, they try to fight with me. But in the long term, the red personality get more along with me in the long term. Because they don't feel that I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. They, they feel that I give them the tools for them to do what, what is coming from inside. That's quite interesting. So, in a sense, opposites do attract, right? Yeah. It's hunting or fishing. Mm-hmm. I, my majority of the coaches hunting because they have a, a, an intention. What is the intention? To prove that they are good coaches. When you are fishing, you try to prove that this this athlete is the best athlete. You're mm-hmm. not the picture. It's why I try to explain all the coaches. Nobody knows the name of the coaches of all the super athletes you know. We know the name of the athlete. We are behind scenes only working for them. That's quite interesting because you're giving a little bit of a hint to how the headspace of the coaches are. Because, you know, we hear about the athletes, but we want to see the people that actually train these people and make them perform at the level that they do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And sort of, I want to sort of get more into... The obesity part. Now, how did that weight loss journey go? Were you focused on more of the journey or what you wanted at the end? How did you hit that goal? And the obesity part is one important moving part is the guts. The guts is the most important. Not for for what you eat. Uh, Something happened right here. We had three brains. The brain we have in the head, the heart. And the guts. Those are the three brains playing games between them and ruining your life. And then what happened when the guts are ruling the other two brains? You have needs to eat, needs to this one, needs to that one. And your first priority is to eat. Doesn't matter if consciously, if at the conscious mind, you think, I want to just be in shape. And then the subconscious mind is the coordination of the three brains. When when you start to lose weight, it's because you are concentrated and focusing one thing. Like a majority of the people knows and remember when they go to the prom, especially girl, they lose weight. And they lose weight very fast and really good because they have every single day of the, of the in their minds how they will look in the, in the party and the, the critics they were going to, to hear or the wows they want to hear. And then they are focused and concentrating one idea is to lose the weight. And then in the other side, the people who want to lose weight just because they want to wake up the next day so beautiful, they don't have that concentration in that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, hypnosis helps you to, to do that. Hypnosis help you to concentrate in one idea. When you get into the trance, light trance or deep trance has the same effect. The only difference is when you get out of the trance, you have certain hours or days to keep that belief internally. I can put somebody in trance and make them forget about number five. And then they will start to cramp one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven fingers. But not forever. And then the repetition will reaffirm that. 
He did the repetition to see others counting one, two, three, four, five. Oh, exceed the number five. You, you make me forget the number five. He did the same way you lose weight. When you go into hypnosis, you start to concentrate your attention in that way you believe now because it's deep in the subconscious mind. If they really believe the effort is, they are going to do, is not any more effort. Like, like the athletes, when they go to conditioning, it's painful. But they don't care. It's not a sacrifice. They enjoy it. One person who want to lose weight, they think what they're doing is a sacrifice. I will sacrifice to be in shape. And those women who was going to the prompt, they don't do any sacrifice because they had the idea where in the day of the prompt, knowing that today's day, they have the idea over there. And then what happened when somebody want to lose weight, the hypnosis will help them to create and believe. It's temporary belief, but if they really get into that and do the repetitions, 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 they start to integrate into their subconscious mind. Hmm. It's very good. And slowly but surely, when you integrate this into your subconscious mind, when do you know that the effects have already taken place? Behave. At the moment, you behave. Because you, when you receive a stimulus, you, you have a response. And then some people come to me saying, uh, I overreact to to the road, road rates. If somebody cut me, I get so upset. I, I don't want to get an accident, especially with the people who is crazy now. And and they pull guns and they start to kill somebody. Then can you relax me and make me believe that it's okay that? And they say, yes, no problem. And then we go in trance and then we start to change the belief. How we change the belief? Not because they are in hypnosis. They change the belief they need to have a reason to change the belief. And then it's permanent. When they ha- when you have a reason and you are in theta, but in hypnosis, and then that reason makes that emotion the link to act according with that. Hmm. And sorry when you get into this hypnosis thing, do you incorporate hypnosis on the clients that you train as well? Or was that sort of just only an exclusive thing you did that worked for you personally? Yes, it's just exclusively. When I coach, I don't use any hypnosis. What I use is NLP. Okay. NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. Like Neuro Linguistic Programming, you need to have a goal and you use the words to create action. Just try to imagine this. If you say to one person, I love you, that person, what they will feel. If they hear very often, not much, because they hear all the time. But yet, if you say these words, I am loving you, that changed. That totally changed completely, because they start to internalize why you are loving them. This is what I'm doing in the practice. In the practice, I use neuro-linguistic programming to make them internalize everything. Because human beings... They don't learn from what they hear. They don't learn from the media. They don't learn from the teachers. They don't learn from the family. They learn from the assumptions they do about what they hear, what they understand. And then the, the, the same family can create five different kids. And with the same education, the same environment, the same food, the same everything, the same rules. But everybody react different because everybody interpreting the things different. Then... That's why I understand and I, I discover that we don't learn from what we hear. We learn from what we assume. Hmm. And why do you think we particularly learn from what we assume? Can you sort of give another example of that? I find that quite interesting. Well, when you associate an emotion to what you just learned is when you start to create a belief. Yeah, let me put you an example. Yeah. All the knowledge you have in your head, all the memories you have in your head has two different categories, the temporal and the temporal. Just to say, you remember the first time probably when you swim first time or when you go into the bicycle first time, you were not too little. And, but you don't remember when you learned the, the word bicycle because there's no emotion attached to that. 
The only way to remember things is when you get an emotion. And then when you create the emotion attached to something is when you start to learn. That is part of your belief now. You you hear several people here, this is a bicycle, this is a bicycle. Now you believe it. Hmm. It's a bicycle. And then you learn the word. You learn the concept of a bicycle. Because uh, something happened here really weird. The conscious mind is the only one who has language. If you go to your subconscious mind, when I go to you in trance, the, the subconscious mind don't have any word, not even one. All is symbolic. is code, colors, and symbols. This is all in the subconscious mind. And then the conscious mind need to help you to translate that with the emotions they feel. Every word I said, you have a code internal, and then you give a value for every word you hear. And then you call that language. We communicate with language. But the subconscious mind is transmitting totally different things. When you can you can talk really nice with one person and internally you say, I hate that woman. I hate that guy. And that guy starts to perceive that. Because it's at the subconscious level, we send more messages than the conscious level. The words you says is only 7% of your communication. That's very interesting when you talk about... So you're saying the best ways to get into the subconscious mind is by maybe attaching it to an emotion or your bigger one is symbolism too. So you mentioned symbolism. So do you value things such as visualizations? Because visualizations... They create symbols as well. Is that a part of your program? Yes. Yes. Visualization is really important. And imagery, imagery is, is really important for you because uh, you need to visualize in your mind what is going to happen. Because fear comes from two reasons only. One, because you have a lock of control. And the second one, because you don't know what will happen. And then if you control your car, you're good. When you learn to control the car, you was in fear. Oh, maybe this one will fail. This one problem. Somebody will cut, cut me. You have fear because you don't have control. And the moment you have control, you, the fear disappears. And the only way can appear the fear again is you don't know what will happen. You see a truck coming t- towards you. You assume what can happen. But if the fear frees you, you do nothing. But if the fear give you the, the 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 opportunity to react, you do something to save your life. And then what happened with the athletes? When the athletes start to learn to don't be in alert, we, we call gamma when you are in the zone. It's the gamma waves. It's the brain working in the gamma waves. When you learn to do that, you start to perform amazingly because you don't do it. The subconscious mind do it. Try to think when you go to swim, you don't jump and says, well, okay, I need to jump. I need to move my arms. I need to move my legs, breathe, and then I start to swim. No, you don't have to swim. You just jump. That's the idea to, to let your subconscious mind work. When you drive, you can think and other things. And sometimes you keep driving, driving. How can I get here? I don't remember nothing. Hmm. Your subconscious mind take over. You trust your subconscious mind because you have confidence. And then athletes who don't have the confidence when they go to perform, what happened? They are paying attention to everything. The conscious mind only can handle 134 bits of information per second. Very slow. The subconscious mind, 4 million bits of information per second. It's super fast. Hmm. And then if you try to control everything with your conscious mind, too slow. Athletes... Probably you see Simone Biles when she does these things. She's not thinking, okay, I need to move here. And then, and because she's not telling her, pull the legs when you get over there and one more foot, nothing. She going to do it. Because it's like when you jump to, to the pool. Mm-hmm. If you have the muscle memory, she, you let go of the body. The problem is when you are in the second stage, you learn already the skill, but you don't have the unconscious competence to do it. You need to go to the subconscious mind, and then you have the unconscious competence. Hmm. Because when you start to see something, 
Like I just, when you was a kid, you see somebody driving, you say, oh, it's that easy, it's very easy. The mom says, oh, that's easy. They are unconscious, incompetent. They don't know what they're going to face. When they try, oh, it's not that easy. Now they are conscious, incompetent. When they start to practice and practice and practice, they are conscious, competent. Is when they start to see me, to jump to the unconscious competent. Because they need to let the subconscious mind do the same. The golfers, they measure and they let the, the body go. The body needs to take over. The subconscious needs to take over. They're like, oh, okay, okay, right, right here. No, nothing. They just go. Because they have the muscle memory to do that. All right. And you said muscle memory again. I kind of am thinking here. So when athletes talk, I think this is a big one. I think we should hit here because we have you here now. It's muscle memory, but also the zone. When athletes hit something like muscle memory, is that something that happens on the subconscious mind? What types of athletes tend to tap into that? How do athletes tap into that? Do you sort of know how an athlete develops that muscle memory? Well, when you repeat something, uh, just mind you get a pen and you start to send it to one hand to the other hand. And then certain connections in your brain start to be connected to control the pen. Hmm. When you repeat and repeat it every day, every day, every day, that connection synapses get so strong that you can watch everywhere and you keep doing it. You need to think. It's when you have the muscle memory. But you need to pay attention to what you're doing. Obviously, uh, athletes at the high level, they have tons of muscle memory. They, they develop all the skills. They develop everything. Sometimes you see boxers, you see MMA fighters, that they fail because they have not the confidence. They don't let the body do what they're supposed to do. They just get into the game of, I want to control the things. And they don't let the body get into the gamma, get into the zone. They try to control every movement. And because the surprise is over there, depends on what the other the other competitor do. It's not like in gymnastics. Gymnastics, you have a certain skill and you just repeat it. You have variants. If they move to the right, if they move to the left, you need to do something. Then the problem right there is the coaching. If the coach don't create the confidence to have the ability to improvise, they try to control everything with the mind. They try to control everything just thinking with the better, thinking with the conscious mind, 134 bits of information per second, and they, and they lose. The athletes need to learn to let the, the subconscious mind do it. The muscle memory is all the repetitions you do. But you don't compete with repetitions. You compete with the the, the like a, the putting together all the repetitions you do. Because sometimes in gymnastics, the floor is too bouncy. You need to adjust. It's a lot of adjustment. The bars are not the same bounce. And then you release, you flip, and you try to catch your off. The golfer, sometimes the weather is wind. Is the the pressure, the air pressure, they need to adjust. Mm-hmm. Then it's not just control, it's learn to adjust, adapt. This is what the muscle memory helps you. It's not just muscle memory. And you talk about learning to adjust. How do you think that's quite interesting? Because how do you think athletes such as gymnasts adapt to something like that? Because that must be very tough practicing this exercise for months and months and then there's just this one factor that's changed. How do you think that sort of is counteracted with your help? Well, in practice, you need to change circumstances. You need to change the the, the way they look at because sometimes they they get uh, habits. I want to see that beam before I, I move. I want to see that wall. I want to see that spot. They they get rituals. All the athletes get rituals. And sometimes they just touch the head to the heart, and then they start to, to run or something like that. The, the rituals just make them think, then they have the control. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, 
a ritual to get into the results they, they expect they're going to do. The, in gymnastics, you need to learn all different ways of performing what you're doing, all different ways, not just one way in one direction. When I train my athletes, I train both ways. They need to do to the right, to the left, to the right, to the left, even if the left is not good. When some other athletes come to me, I said to one golfer, okay, you swing with the right hand, try with the left hand. And they say, no, no, that will destroy my swing. Just try it. When they start to try, they notice then there's no muscle memory right there. And I tell them, okay, come back to the normal one. And they notice and they do better. Because now these exercises, I have control here. Hmm. And then they can adjust. You, you need to learn how to adjust the subconscious mind to the circumstances. It's raining, it's cold, it's, it's too hot. It, you are you don't sleep last night, you have a problem at home. It's too many things in the moment you go to perform. And then the 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 athletes need to learn that before it's like a rehearsal. Hmm. They need to rehearse. Okay, fight with without friend, used to argue, he didn't go to perform. Sometimes they do better because they, they was mad. Sometimes it's the worst. Then everybody needs to understand how to like uh, know your body, know your mind, or know your reactions to in order to perform better. So the conscious mind sort of is the connector to the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is obviously our most powerful one, but our conscious mind sort of needs to have that confidence in that area in order for that to work. And that's what you were doing with the whole left hand, right hand thing. That's very interesting. So, you know, I think a lot of people right now, they're probably normal people looking at this or maybe even a few athletes. How do you think someone can continue to develop these types of skills and qualities? What's an easy way you think people can do that to fight certain things like ADHD or maybe just a lack of faith in what they can do? What's the solution to that? Training. All training. When you see an athlete um, competing, they have a lot of training behind. And one time, it, this illustrates what you're talking about. One mom has the kid right there next to me, and the kids start to eat, and they he was open the mouth, eating like that. I hate that. My family's from Spain, and they teach a lot of manners. And I say to the mom, oh, wow, you, you kid eats like my dog. And then the mom turned towards him and she says, I told you, don't do that. And I tell the mom, you think just because you told him he will do it? No, because if I tell you how to ride an airplane and tell you what is the, the, the levers, what is the, what you need to do, you will ride the, the plane because I tell you? No, you cannot. So training. ADSD is, is like a wild way to live. They, they just, they, in the moment they get with the diagnostic of ADHD, they said, Mom, now deal with that. They told me I'm ADHD. And give me a med- medication just to control myself. <laughs> they don't take responsibility. You think what happened here, the training of responsibility is who made them act the way they act. They don't have any responsibility. The parents, they lose the the way to educate kids. They think, if I love them and I give everything what they need, I'm a very good dad, I'm a very good mom. This is not the case. The mom is the one who stops the limitations of the kid. The kid has a lot of limitations. As more training you do to the kid to stop those limitations makes you a good mom, makes you a good dad. Know when you give love and all what they want. Because the only problem they, they face in the future is the people don't will give them what they want. The people will mock them. They will bully them. They will do a lot of things. And then you need to start to learn how to control your environment, how to control yourself. The major problem in the society right now, even with the athletes, nobody teaches you how to love yourself and how to accept yourself. This is the major problem. That's where the society starts to act like that. Because they don't know how to love themselves, how they can love others. And why they don't know how to love? 
because they think if I love myself, it's selfish. They pre-program you to don't love yourself. But it's a misconception. When you accept yourself, you start to love yourself. You start to think if you have a little cousin and you go to visit the little cousin and he's very cute and then he breaks something and the mom is very demanding, very screaming. What do you do? You go to the kid, oh, let's go to clean right here before your mom comes. And then when your mom comes, they will notice anything. Mm-hmm. The subconscious man says, oh, he loved that kid. When you do a mistake, what do you do? Blame yourself, make an expression, and, and judge yourself and punish yourself. But the subconscious man says, oh, this guy don't love himself. Do you see the difference? You put proof to the subconscious mind that you love somebody with actions, and the actions you do with yourself is exactly the opposite. Assumption of the subconscious mind, he don't love himself. She don't love herself. Then we need to learn for accept ourselves. My mom told me one, one day, because she caught me, one lie I was saying, one girl who I like. And then she, she says, come over here. I prefer that everybody hates you for who you are than everybody loves you for what you don't are. He didn't live that way, please. So, okay, mom. Then I, I go and tell her the truth. And, and I feel since that moment very happy because I accept myself. If I, I have fear, if I have a doubt, I talk about that. And then it's very easy to handle the, the, the things. Then remember, the, for the public in general, if there are no athletes, they need to start with the same love themselves and accept themselves. And then is when they start to really come the happiness. And we talk about this whole love and acceptance thing. What do you think is the largest? Because I, I think you have a very good perception of athletes, definitely. But do you think there's a difference psychologically about how? maybe a championship athlete would act versus an athlete that's very new. Is there a different headspace? Is there sort of something similar to like a wage gap in society or like a divide? Not really. I see the same because uh, when one person tries to be successful in something, it's the same than an athlete. They prepare Mm -hmm. themselves and they they try to perform and compete with the others. Mm -hmm. But it's no trophies. Is just money involved, sometimes recognition, sometimes position. But it, everybody's an athlete because everybody's competing against the others. Mm-hmm. Even in nature, everybody's competing. Animals kill each other. The plants invade one to the others and they kill each other. And then we don't need to be surprised about competition. In life is competition. And then the mentality of the people, the regular people, it's exactly the same than an athlete, just in different arena. The athlete put all the efforts, all the mentality to get one recognition to the first place. All the others, they get one recognition in what they do. Filmmaker, uh, engineer, doctor, everybody want to be better. Everybody wants to be the best. But there is no Olympic Games in doctors, in doctor's degrees. There's no Olympic Games for engineers to see who make the best bridge. Just, they do it. Hmm. Obviously, some ones will show up really easy because they do something outstanding. But everybody wants to be a champion. Everybody wants to be a success. But the only problem is the definition of what success is. This is what struggle to the people. When the people start to think, I want to be successful. You need to define to the subconscious mind what means success. Because in the moment you start to have some, some kind of a achievement, the, the concept of success change. Because they say, if I have a million dollars, I will be very happy. It's a success. You have the million dollars, and what they will say, no, I'm not successful yet. I need 10. Because all change. That's why the people never finish to make more and more and more and more. And then what happened right there, you don't accept who you are, and you need to get money to get the respect of the others. It's the intention behind. Because the people want to get a lot of money, a lot of positions and possessions, 
for he had this respect of the people. How much money and possessions has Mary Teresa? And everybody respect her. Everybody admire her. But why? Because she was a person who give to the others and accept herself the way she is. She go from town to town, just one bag. She she don't go with the, all the luggage and my Louis Vuitton, and then everybody will know that I have a lot of money. My Rolex. It's, this is the major problem in the in the people. They try to look it for acceptance, and before that, it, they need to accept themselves. They think if I have money, I have I will be happy and I will be accepted. But it's exactly the opposite. If you have acceptation of yourself, if you have respect and acceptation of the other, guess what? You have a lot of money. They have reversed the, the formula. Mm. All right. You've hit a lot of topics here. And what I sort of want to get into next is what types of services do you provide on? Do you sort of have a website or any other content you could kind of help distribute here? Yes, I yes. Want we to have a, a website with all the programs I have because I, I created a program for mental blocks. I have I have a whole program for for uh, kids with ADD and autism because uh, I noticed one thing: the parents with autism, with kids with autism, they don't know how to behave with the kid because I noticed with my own kid, if we overprotect them because they we feel poor kid. They have no tools to survive in this life. Everybody was telling me, you are so cruel with him. I'm not cruel. I just give the opportunity to him to be himself. And I was strict like the, like with the others. I was disciplined like with the others. I never was cruel. I was just giving the opportunity to him to create everything. Now he's like a 28 he, he speaks five languages. He travels all over the world himself. He has no problems. Why? Because he has the training. He has the foundation of confidence. He, he, when one kid has certain uh, problems in life, like uh, ADSD, uh, they start to think they are handicapped. They are no handicapped. When you are ADSD, it's because you have a, a tremendous imagination. ADSD is like... Um, all the humans, we have five senses. And then in order or importance for you, everyone appears. We have the eyes, we have the ears, we have the nose, the feelings, the tasting. And then what happened, you have a preference, preference representational systems we call. And, and, and then if you are like a primary represent, representing everything in images, the people start to look it up. They try to see the images. Oh, look at that. And they start to talk like that. If they represent everything in words, they start to see side to side. They see, oh, yeah, yeah I remember this one. I, oh, they, they talk and talk side to side. They try to internalize everything. They try to see everything that. Because you feel, you connect with your body in the moment you look at that. That's why when the people get depressed, they're like this. They lean that. If you put the pose of Superman, you put Superman, you can be depressed because physiology con is connected with your thoughts and your thoughts are connected with the chemical balance of your body. And then if you put a pose of depression or a pose of success, this is what you want to produce inside your body. You cannot produce depression when you are like, like this. You cannot. The body cannot produce any hormones or depression, no cortisol, no nothing. And then the people don't understand that part, the physiology. That's why in NLP they said, if you want to be successful, walk like a successful person. Talk like a su successful person. Doesn't matter you are or not. At one time I have an athlete, super athlete, super good, and, and he was failing in performance, and I told him, what happened today? You have in the bank billions of dollars, and you are in all the news, not just sometimes when you make mistakes, on all the news for all your achievements. Do you need to have the goals you have right now? He says, no. 
Exactly. Because what you're looking for is for approval. You try to fit in. The people try to fit in. That's why they do whatever they need to do just to get the attention. But we don't need to fit in. It's already in. You cannot want something you have. I cannot start to pray that I have two hands. I hope I have two hands. I have two hands. I cannot wish to have two hands. I have two hands. Now, the ability my hands have is a different story. That's why it's important to start to, to do in scale, step by step, step by step, until you get the ability to control everything. So you start with yourself. Most of the people want people to love them, to love themselves, to feel happy. They say, you love me, I'm happy. You don't love me, what? They start to devastate it and they kill themselves. Because nobody loved them. The, the love comes from inside. I hear, I hear a story about a Greek gods who says, all the success in the world, we have it in this little dot where we can find, where we can hide it. And then the human cannot find it. And then one suggests, put it into the toughest part of the world, in the Himalayas. And then they said, no, they will climb right there. They will find it. Put it to the deepest of the oceans. No, they will invent a submarine or something, and they will find it. And then they said, what God has said, I know where to, where to hide it. Inside them, they never will find it. Then you need to find it. It's inside you. Hmm. Everybody's looking outside. And we were talking about this. How do you think COVID has affected the psychology of a lot of people here? And what do you think is the best way to fix those issues coming into post-COVID and with a new life, a new mission? There's uh, special circumstances that happen every 100 years. 100 years ago, we have a pandemic. And, and the same happened. The people get nuts. And after the pandemic, to remember what happened, World War. Because the people was nuts. And they started to fight each other. And then they started to kill each other. Why did people start to kill each other? Because they, they have grief. They lost a lot of things. They lost the job. They lost the status. They lost the identity. They lost a family member. They lost the security they had before. In the moment they start to remember what they lost, they get angry. And they want to find somebody to pay for that. It's, it's revenge. And the best way to deal with that is to learn how to how you're going to build that. Because we have a process, internal process, for centuries in humanity. When, I, when you try to teach a kid, you say, look at this is the way to do it. The kid watch. He attempt and you correct them. Wrong. Do this way. You think what happened with the kid? Try again and try again and try again and receive a lot of judgment, a lot of judgment. If they make a mistake, you punish them. <laughs> what happened with the human being when they grow up? Try to remember what happened with you. It's the same that happened to me. When you start to make a mistake, the first thing coming to your mind is to judge yourself. You start to judge yourself for, oh, how stupid I am. Who is paying attention to this one? And what is the second one? You start to punish yourself. You complete the cycle. You learn since kid. The only problem is then that was when you was a kid. As an adult, you do the same. You have kids, and you finish the same cycle with them. And when we interrupt that cycle is when the humanity will be more connected together. We talk about how the people is racist. It's not racist. It's the perception of the others. If you put kids together with not telling them nothing about the story, about nothing about history, they love each other or they hate each other for what they did, not for what they represent. This is humanity. Humanity, when when people comes to me, I have this problem. Guess what happened? I put one lady in trance because she says that she has a lot of problems because the dad was very abusive. I delete the pine from the picture. You just you remember, hypnosis delayed for temporary, for hours. Okay? The, the father don't exist. And then I, I ask her when she wake up, okay, what happened? Why you, you have those problems? 
Oh, and then she bring another story. <laughs> and then again in tracks. I didn't like that story. Wake up. Why you like that? She bring another story. And then I discovered one thing. All these stories of your life start between the first year of your life to seven years old. When you don't have any critical mind. Mm-hmm. You are totally open. All the kids believe you everything that you say. They believe you. They trust you. Because this is the nature they have to survive. And then they believe you. And then what happens when the kids get some problems in that year? They start to create a cluster of ideas in the brain. The first impression they have, and then come another one, start to align with this one, because the, the subconscious mind just stores pictures, pictures with sounds, with, with smells, with colors, and then they start to align with the similarities, what is similar, and then another one, another one, another one, another one, until you create a cluster. With that cluster is packed and saturated with experiences, comes very easy a trauma. What happened in the moment you get an impression or an accident, or your dad beat you, or your dad screamed to you, when you have that cluster, he saturated the world, saturated cluster for people who was in the in the in a traumatic event, and you create PTSD. What is PTSD? The cluster gets saturated, and then all the cluster create a response. If somebody talks about that, you react. But you create a red code. The red code is like you have a picture, and then you put a spray. The picture is there, but you can see it. But everything that happens, everything that triggers that picture you have internally, the, the cluster, create the same emotions over and over, and you don't know why. <laughs> this is what the people says. well, probably was my dad. Probably wasn't my neighbor. Probably because somebody beat me when I was in the street. Nothing yeah. that is true. It's the foundation of the, of the cluster who create all those problems. When I put you in trance, we go all the way back in time. The subconscious mind will tell us, will not tell us what happened. We don't need to even know what happened. Just we need to reframe what happened and change the emotion. And guess what? All the stories of that person disappear. Doesn't mean go out of your life. Don't create the same impression that they created before. Mm-hmm. No, they don't create the same discomfort they created before. This is what I do with the people who they are not athletes. They want to live happy. And then we dissolve the cluster. There's a techniques, takes time, but it's no painful. It's fast. If they put all the effort, it's fast. If they use one magic, takes time. Magic don't exist. Magic is insane. It's what I do. And when you talk about reframing, do you think that's the best way to overcome a situation? Taking that memory and then phrasing it in a different light? Yeah. Let me put you an example. You see uh, a guy, a young guy running uh, in New York, and an old lady with a cane walking. Yes. And when they start almost close together, the young guy pushed the old lady, and the old lady fall off. Can you see that guy as a hero? Impossible, right? He's a mean guy who pushed an old lady. He needs to go in jail. And then we open the frame, and you see the young guy running, and you see the old lady. But now you can see the big block of concrete who is falling in the top of the head of the old lady, and the guy pushed her. Now you can see him as a hero, because you see the whole picture. What does that mean? The traumas we have, we don't have the whole picture. Something is missing right there. That's why we have the trauma. We see the guy as as a bad guy. You see yourself as a bad guy. You see your parents as a bad parents because something is missing in the picture. The picture, if we reframe it and we see everything but is inside that picture, now you see the truth. Hmm. And I like that a lot because you provide a very good lesson for a lot of people because I think even with news and media, they do this as well. They show us half the picture but they don't show us the whole entire story. And that's why it's always important to 
observe a situation before judging it. I think that's a good piece of advice a lot of people here can take home from you. Now, yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. I, I hope they help. I, yeah. I hope that helped to them. Yes. Thank you again. And do you have any final words you'd like to tell the audience? Yes. Uh, number one, you are capable to do anything what you want at the highest level, but knowing everything what you want. You need to find where you are genius off. Something, some activity you are good at. Knowing exactly what you want. You need to find that activity to be successful. The other thing, find any way to start to accept yourself and start to love yourself. Get help from somebody who knows how to do that. You need to be surrounded by people who is positive. Because in the moment you start to hear people judging, 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 the only thing you create inside you, you start to saturate the judging clusters with more judging. Then the most important part of your life is learn. Learn every day to stop to judge yourself, to stop to judge the others. Thank you again, Coach Al. This was a great talk. My pleasure. <laughs> and thanks so much for the opportunity. All right. Well, I'm Jimbo Paris, and this is the Jimbo Paris Show. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. 